0: To you. All right. Hey, so I want to uh, dive in this morning. We are in the last week uh, of our series of kingdom power taken from Acts chapter 1 verse 8, right? Jesus says, hey, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Spirit. For when the Spirit comes, you will receive power. Then it goes on to say, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. And we're literally experiencing that today, right? You are those as followers of Jesus who are now empowered. You are carrying God's spirit with you. And, and the reality for us in that is we sometimes we, we lose sight of that, right? We lose sight of that. We live in ignorance of that. And so our series has been about diving into an understanding of who Jesus is, of who the Holy Spirit is to us, the, the work of God's power to the person of Holy Spirit in our lives to empower us to do the works of Jesus, right? The works of Jesus. And we'll look at this, not just the gifts, but also the fruit. We the work of Jesus to express Christ-likeness everywhere that we go. And so what we're saying is that we live with great confidence that each of us who are followers of Jesus have the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that empowered Jesus, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead residing in us. And so what I want to do this morning is I I want to name some practicals. Kind of an end of our time together and our end of talking through kingdom power. It's going to be a summation of some of the things that I've been talking about. So if you have not been here, you can go to YouTube, look up Vintage 242 Church and you can go and listen to all of these messages. If I talk about something you have questions about, you can probably go back and get more in depth in it. So this morning, I'm just going to kind of pull some of the summation points out, look at them briefly. And then at the very end, I'm going to name some of the practical experiences or the, the practical practices that we can give ourselves to that can help us experience the power of God. So we're going to go through fairly quickly this morning, beginning with the theological practices for God's power. So theological practice number one, you can put on the screen for me, is a conviction of our empowerment. You know what conviction is, knowing what's true. I have been convicted that this is right. I'm convicted that this is wrong, right? Living with the conviction that we are empowered. Listen, there is nothing listen there is nothing worse there is nothing worse than being in possession of something amazing beautiful powerful and not know it do you have any car people in here just love fast cars specifically to show hands imagine today Imagine today that you went home and I said to you, inside of your garage, you may have a nice car, but it's the step up from the nicest car that you ever dreamed of owning in your entire life. In fact, I put it there three years ago. You never realized it. The keys are literally in the ignition. It's gassed up and you can go drive. You're like, I've had a car for three years and never known it, right? Like you'd be excited, but that would also be overwhelming, because there's nothing the idea of there's nothing sad there's nothing more overwhelming than having something possessing something and then not realizing it on June 19th we celebrate a national holiday in the United States of America called Juneteenth it is known as America's second independence day on this day in 1865 June, 9th, uh, June 19th 2000 union troops marched into Galveston Bay Texas and by executive decree announced that the more than 250,000 enslaved black men and women in the state and children were free it marked the official end of slavery in the United States of America the most the darkest and most oppressive history in our young nation but here is the thing the 250,000 slaves legally were already free before this, right? You know history through the Emancipation Proclamation, the ratification of the 13th Amendment on February 1st, four months before in 1865. All slaves were legally declared free in the United States of America, but they didn't know it. Being under Confederate rule, no one told them. They were legally free, living in bondage, unaware that the very gift they had been praying and believing for had been granted until this moment, until Juneteenth. What was already true about them, they were awakened to in the moment and being awakened to it, realizing it changed everything. They were awakened to the conviction, the truth of their freedom. They were awakened to the conviction of their empowerment as free men and women. Y'all, an awakening to truth, an awakening to truth, a conviction of truth is always empowering. Truth always breaks lies, doesn't That's the nature of truth. And this morning, spiritually, I am praying and believing for an awakening to the conviction of the truth, of yours, of my spiritual empowerment, a reality of God's spirit in us. That. What is already true about us, we would be awakened to, and we would then live with a confidence, a conviction, a reality of our empowerment. We said the very first week of this study that if you believe, this word for faith and trust and belief, this idea of believing, I lean into and believe so much that if that thing, if Jesus moves, I will fall down because everything has been leaning into his leadership and guiding. If I have to if we believe, we said you already have God's power in you through the Holy Spirit. That's the conviction this morning. It's not something that you're waiting for. I'll just say this using the analogy. Go back to the car. The Holy Spirit's been waiting in your garage for the last three years with the keys ready to move, right? That's the idea here. That's the picture. You already currently have the Holy Spirit and the power of God available to you, through the reality of God's Spirit in you. I love this verse in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I live with this verse. This is a verse I read back in college. I quote it all the time, but it's truth. It's Scripture. I would encourage you this week to take Second Peter. 1 3 and just read it every day and then pray god do i help me understand if i believe this help me but understand jesus awaken in me if i live with the conviction of this verse or do i have mental assent or heart conviction do i believe it where i lean into it trust it and believe it and give everything i have and confidence to it second peter 1 3 his divine power Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit, God, the Trinity, His divine power has given us. You can put your name there if you believe Jesus has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory, who called us by His own goodness. You didn't earn it. You couldn't make it happen. He did it out of His own goodness, Right? Through these, verse four, he has given us very, his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by its evil desires. His divine power came and gave you everything that you already need, past tense, to live a Christ-like life, expressing the fruit of God's Spirit, expressing the gifts of God's Spirit, the works of God's Spirit, to be living in Christ's image, to literally so that you can participate in the divine nature. That should mess with you. Jesus says you've been empowered to participate in the nature of God-likeness, the nature of God. We live with such a sense of separation between us and God, and it's true because he is holy. But because of the work of God's Spirit and the placing of God's Spirit on you, when the Father sees you now, all the Father sees is Jesus. That should mess with you. You have everything you need pertaining to life and Christ-likeness and godliness because of the knowledge, the conviction, the pursuit of the belief of Jesus in your life. God has given us everything we need. We lack nothing. It is truth. And here's the point. Hear this. It is truth whether you feel it or not. I don't know about you, but I see our generation we living in being very much dictated by its feelings they rise and fall they're super great here and then like this is the best day ever and then three seconds later this is the worst day ever right we are just so led and driven by our emotions and the things that we feel one of the greatest dangers we face in life is only relying on our feelings to determine if something is true We see all the times, unfortunately, in marriages, people say things like, I just don't feel in love anymore, and they make a drastic decision about a lifetime commitment based off of a feeling rather than the reality of the commitment that they made. Feelings are fickle. They come and go, they rise and they fall. Feelings lie to you all the time. Feelings, again, come and go. They cannot be fully trusted. Yes, they should be considered. They're part of the decision-making process that you're making and everything that you're making, right? But they should be considered, but alone. They should not be our basis for decision-making. That is immature, and honestly, it is dangerous. It is dangerous. This conviction is important, this discussion, because rarely does anyone feel empowered. Empowered. Rarely does anyone feel in power. If you were here when Mark Nicewander spoke several weeks ago, he talked about. He said some of the greatest moments of sp- spiritual fruit in my life were moments where I felt zero power flowing through me. In fact, I actually felt like I was dead and dying. A little bit of a barrier to the movement of God's Spirit. I can't tell you the number of times when I step into a situation and I'm like, God, you better show up because if not, we're in trouble. I pray it all the time. And whenever I pray that, you know what God does? He says, thank you for humility and recognizing you're completely incapable. That makes you completely usable and available to me. Watch out. Listen, I forget, I was in Brazil a long time ago, right, in college. For some reason, someone invited me to come down and speak, and so I have an interpreter, and I've been working, I've been there all, listen, like for several weeks, preaching and every day, preaching and sharing the gospel, praying for people, watching demons cast out, watching people healed. It was a crazy season, right? Crazy season, right? Crazy time, and I'm there. It's the last sermon I'm preaching while I'm there, right? It's this Presbyterian church, and it's like about the size, of the vintage, and it's got like one row down the middle, and people on both sides and i and i don't feel it i don't feel it i I felt a lot of things in this couple of these like three or four weeks i wasn't feeling anything i was ready to go home i was ready to get a fresh cooked meal i was ready to sleep in my own bed and i didn't like my prep time for my sermon was horrible i was like this is going to be the worst sermon i've ever preached in my life on top of that i got an interpreter i didn't know so it's gonna be super hard i didn't have the spiritual gift of tongues for portuguese so i couldn't talk to anybody it was miserable right and so I'm just preaching this message, and I'm thinking to myself, I can't wait for this to be, I mean, I'm literally preaching God, I just can't wait for this to be over. This is the worst sermon I'm probably going to ever preach in my entire life. I'm literally, like, self-loathing in the moment, thinking people are, literally, this is exactly what I'm thinking, not exaggerating, right? I pointed my kids been my wife, because they're like, you always exaggerate. This is exactly how I felt, right? I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. I said, amen. To my sermon, I'm like, God, thank you, it's done. And I just prayed a heartless prayer and said, if you'd like to respond today and give your life to Jesus, if you want to be spiritually set free, God can do it, just come to the altar. All right?" And I literally wanted everyone to stand up and just start snickering and walk out. 100% of the church came to the altar. People got saved. People got set free spiritually. People were just healed in the moment. And I sat there in just utter, whatever the word is, this utter just shock. And I went, oh, it's not about my feelings or about me. It's simply about Jesus. Y'all... I do my best by God's grace to go, if I walk, listen, I will never step into a church service and say, oh, I don't feel you. must be a bad service today. I walk into every, 100% of church services, I don't care what denomination, lack thereof, and go, where two or more are gathered in your name, you promise to be there. I live with the conviction. Your spirit is present. Let's see what you're going to do today. Why point? What's this point one? Because our your empowerment, your empowerment begins with the faith and trust and confidence that what God said is just true, no matter how you feel about it. You are empowered, whether you feel it or not. And we must strive as in give ourselves the best of our energy to remain awakened to this truth. I strive to be with Jesus. I give the best of my energy to spend time with him and live in that conviction. That's practical point number one. Theology point number one. Practical theological point number two. God's power is holistic in nature. This goes back to what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. So I'm not going to spend much time here. I encourage you to listen to the messages on this. But God's power is holistic, right? It touches. Is everything. There's nothing that in our lives God's power does not touch or do or reach out to, right? We discussed this at length. Again, the summation of these points is these three things that I've talked about. It's more than this, but it's just the things that I've talked about. For letter A, so God's power is holistic, one. Power to express the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's on the screen for me, Carl. Power to express the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Healing, prophecy, discernment, etc. All the supernatural works that Jesus expressed. Listen, they're possible through us, not because of your work or your great Bible reading or theological study. They're available to you because of the same spirit that enabled Jesus now enables you. The same Spirit that enabled and empowered Jesus now enable and empowers you. Listen, whether you listen, you have to take John fourteen twelve at face value—that Jesus means what He says. Don't over theologize this. Don't over study it. Don't over Greekanize it. Whatever you do, right? Read it for what it's worth. Jesus has just talked about the supernatural works, the things that you deem supernatural, the miracles and the work of the power, and says this very truly, verse twelve of chapter fourteen of John, very truly speaking to the disciples, I tell you, whoever believes, pastuo in me, leans into me, has confidence in me, gives everything to me, will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Do we believe it? And here's the point. People sit back and go, what does it mean? We'll do even greater things. People argue about it. I don't really know, but it's greater. <laughs> it is greater. Is it because there's more of us, so there's more can happen? I have no idea. No one really knows, and people argue about it. I don't really care. All I know is there are greater works to be done, and Jesus said we could. Why? Because he says, I've given you my spirit to enable you, empower you. The same, Listen, I, this is a theology point for me. I don't believe Jesus did miracles because he was God. I believe he did miracles because he was a human being empowered by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit. He wouldn't say, "Hey, do the works that I did," but you're not God. Sorry. No, I think he would say, "I'm going to do it in the same way that you're going to have to do it through the power of the Spirit of God in you." This is huge, right? Uh, power to experience this. Be power to experience and express the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I've said before. <clears throat> When I am with an unbeliever and I express supernaturally the fruit of patience in a patience, needy moment, they look at me and say, how can you be so patient? It draws people to Jesus. The work of the fruit of the Spirit draw as much as the work of the supernatural power of Jesus. Right? Right? And so the fruit of God's Spirit's in us. It's inexhaustible. They're not something you have to work towards receiving. You do have to earn those things. They are the nature of God's Spirit in you. I just look at it this way. It's a terrible analogy. It's not appropriate fully in a sense of like, it's not great. But like I just think that I just see the Holy Spirit, and I feel like he just walks around the fruit tree everywhere he goes. Right? And so when he comes and lives in Steve Hambrick's life, he goes, Is it okay for bring the fruit tree with me? Because everywhere I go, it goes with me. And I'm like, fan. Fantastic. Bring your fruit trees. Are they to belong? Yeah, all my fruit belongs to you. And so when the Holy Spirit came into my life at salvation, he brought his fruit tree and says, every fruit belongs to you. What fruit is it? It's the fruit of God's spirit. It's my fruit. It's the same thing that Jesus exhibited. It's all yours. Do I have to work for it? Do I have to earn it? No, no, just pluck it off and eat it. It's always available to you. Always available. Number three here, this idea of power, God's power is holistic, power over sin power over sin. Two weeks ago, we looked at Galatians 5 and Ephesians 5. Go read them for yourself. It basically just says because of God's spirit, you have power to live victorious over sin. So Taylor talked today and Taylor would say, yes, be an accountability group. Come over here and ask the right questions. Deal with your trauma as we rely on and lean into the power of God's spirit to marry those two and work together to bring about salvation and sexual integrity. Amen. So it's beautiful, right? We are like the power of God and community of people who come alongside of us and run with us. Who had that? Jesus with the 12 and the women who followed along with them. He lived in community, right? It was powerful. So we have power over sin. The primary verse we looked at, Galatians 5, 16. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's powerful, right? Both sets of scriptures are clear. They listen. Both scriptures are very clear. Hey, because you still live in a fallen body, you're going to be tempted, and you will stumble. But by the power of God's spirit, you will not fall into a lifestyle of sin. Okay? All right. Third, practical theology. And when I get to the practical experience, it's going to go super fast. Number three, uh, practical theology. This is really important. If I were to say what is the center point for everything, it's this. Humility is necessary for God's power to flow. Humility is necessary for God's spirit to flow. I, I love I love those quotable verses. You know what I mean? Like those ones are super easy to remember. You can't forget them, and you can pull them up almost any single time. James chapter four is that for me. Go to the James four for this, this verse it says James four six. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, the selfish, the self oriented, those who only think about themselves, right? But he gives grace. What's grace? It's this blessing of God, the fruit of the spirit, the gifts, all the things of Jesus you have never earned. He just pours them out. and says, my grace. He says, grace, all of these pieces that I am are given to the humble. But I have to oppose the proud because those are just living in selfishness and I can't do that. Right. Humility allows us to express the great commandment. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. Selfishness will never empower you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Selfishness only empowers you to love you. Humility allows us to see other people's needs in the same way that we see our own. This is huge. Are you good at feeling the pain of someone else in the same way that you feel your pain? When you see someone in need, do you see them as if you were seeing yourself and you would care for them in the same way that you care for yourself? Do you fight? Listen, Sarah Hambrick is sitting right here. She's my daughter. Because she's at church this morning, she's my favorite. Way to go, Anna. If you do anything to her, I will hurt you. (laughs) There's something about a child, right, that draws you in. It's powerful. It's overwhelming, right? But I have to ask myself, that's a selfish love in a sense that I have for her because she's mine. Do I love the rest of you in the same way that I would love for and defend her? And that, my friends, is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. We're not good at this, but Jesus is, and his spirit empowers us, and those who are humble, he gives us grace to do this well. If you read to the first part of James 4, it's all these, what causes quarrels, and what causes this angst, and what causes this tension? It's, it's our own selfishness and pride. The spirit leads us to Humility. The flesh leads us to selfish pride. God's power through us. Listen, God's power through us is a byproduct of grace in our life, and grace is available to the humble, those who are empowered to prefer others. In turn, God opposes the proud. Listen. Our pride, our selfishness, our self absorption, our life lived for self literally acts as a blockade, a dam in our spiritual life. And humility invites the raging river of his loving, compassionate, and powerful presence to flow. Power in our lives, listen, power in our lives is dependent upon God's grace flowing in and through us. And humility is the only invitation to that power. Now here we go, practical practical practices to experience God's power. Got six of them. Here we go. Number one, ask God to help you. Right? How do I go into this practically, Steve? Just ask God to help you, right? Why? Because your feelings betray you all the time. So continuing asking Jesus for help. Remember that dad is Jesus, I believe. Ah, But help my unbelief, right? I believe, but help me. Help me in this moment. Help me to engage this power. Help me to engage this conviction. God, help me not to live bound up my my feelings. Ask for help believing in God's power in you. Ask for help in believing in God's power through you. Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Number two, surround yourself with at least one, preferably more people, who will go after God's power with you and talk about it and pray about it. About it people can be fans to your flame or they can be water to douse you out. Who do you hang out with? Do you have fanning friends or dousing friends? Listen, when I was at Young Harris College, my first two years before I transferred to God's gift to college in University, University of Georgia, right? First two years, listen, the first two years, Kyle, sorry about that, man. And so, like, these first two years, he's going to be playing tight end to FSU next year. Give that for Kyle right here, right? He could beat me up. And so in that, right, you've got this dynamic happening when I'm at Young Harris, and i got this group of people my freshman year. You know what we did? Literally, all, every weekend, we would find time, and we would pray and go after Jesus for at least two to three hours almost every weekend i'd go fly i'd go fishing and then i'd come spend time with jesus with my people there's been no season of my life where there was like this spiritually then i was with people who were doing life with me who were believing alongside of me challenging me to get outside of my comfort zone and to do and believe things i've never done and believe forever you have people like that in your life today. I don't mean the people you were friends with back when you were in college or 20 or 30 years ago in a small group. I mean today who are challenging you to go after God, right? Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts was the father of the Welsh Revival. He was the one who, in the Welsh then came to Azusa Street in 1906 with William Seymour that led to the entire charismatic movement as we know it today. Do you know what happened about eight months to a year into Evan Roberts' ministry in 1904? He met someone who didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, didn't believe in revival. He pulled back from everything he'd ever taught and believed and basically lived a useless spiritual life for the rest of his life pulling back from everything he had taught and everything he had believed, although his message was the starting point for this great revival that impacted the world. fans Friends can fan and friends can douse. Number three, study and grow in knowledge. Please, for the love of all that's good and right, study and grow in knowledge. I would bet in this room there's no one who can answer questions about bass fishing like I can right? I've spent thousands of hours on the water in a boat. I've spent thousands of hours studying and reading and giving myself to it. I can tell you about lures. I can tell you about boats. I can tell you about professional bass fishermen from 45 years ago, right? I can tell you how it formed, why we do it, what, how, how I can take a computer screen like this and I can tell you what's happening in 55 foot of water and how big that fish is and what it looks like and what it wants to eat. I can do that right now if you ask me, right? I can probably answer why because I've taken time To study and grow in it Do it theologically with the power of God Study and get to know Listen, spend time in the Word of God. Ask questions. Listen, if you want to sit down with me and say, I want to ask you a litany of questions, then buy me a simple cup of coffee and we can chat and talk and answer questions and talk about the power of Jesus. Here are a few books I want to encourage you. There are others. Two books by Jack Deere that have a very similar name, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit and Surprised by the Voice of God. Surprised by the Spirit and surprised by the voice of God. Jack Deere, D-E-E-R-E. Go read The Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Great book in our generation talking about the Holy Spirit as the forgotten part of the Trinity, who he is, what he does, and how he moves. I encourage you to read How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit by A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer. Just go read it. Let it challenge you, right? If you're going to read a great book about prayer, but a great story, go read The Intercessor by Norman Grubb. It will wreck you and make you realize, I'm not sure I'm a Christian because this guy does crazy things, right? Just go read, study, learn. Here we go. Number four, embrace expectancy of God's power. Embrace expectancy. Do we wake up every day so surrendered to God? We expect his breakthrough in every area of life. Do we expect his fruit? Do we expect his gifts? Do we expect power over sin? Do we live in an expectancy of this? It is a discipline. Expectancy is a discipline we undertake to begin expecting God's power to move. In every temptation, every relationship, in every interaction. Here's a prayer. I think it's on the screen. Did I put it, did it make it today? I'm not sure it made it. My prayer. I'm not sure it made it. Dang it. I thought I filled it in. Here, this is the prayer. You can pray. I'm sorry it's on the screen, but write it down. God, I believe in and expect your power to move today. God, I believe in and expect your power to move today in every step I take. Help me stay awake to and aware of your presence. Amen. God, I believe in and expect your power to move today in every step that I take. Help me stay awake to and aware of your presence. Amen. Number five, I've got two more and I'm done. Begin practicing the power of God. Pray for the sick. Listen to people, listen to God for people in your life and see if he has anything to share with them. Share the gospel with expectancy, by grace, this movement of God. Stop believing sin has power over you. Stop believing it has power over you. Stop asking God, listen, stop asking God for his fruit and begin asking God to awaken you to the fruit of the Holy Spirit that already resides in you. There is never a need to pray to receive that which you already possess. He came in with this fruit tree and put it in your life. You don't have to pray for it. Just pray that God would manifest what's already inside of you. We pray from scarcity all the time rather than from praying a prayer of abundance, believing what's already true. Thank God for it and ask him to make it manifest alive, just, part, just blossoming, right? Last one. Run from sin. Run from sin. Sin, 100% of the time, is about selfish pride. Self. Raising up of self at the cost of relationship with God and the cost of other people. God opposes the proud but only gives grace to the humble. Run from sin. Don't see how close you can get to it. Don't see how much you can dabble in it without getting burned. Run from it. Everybody say run. For the actual love of God. For the actual love of people who don't know Jesus and need the power of God's spirit in you and through you. Run from sin. You say, sin doesn't hurt me, Steve. It's not bothering anybody else. God's spirit is unable to flow in you out to the person in need because there's a blockade of selfish pride He's opposing in the moment. Why is he opposing it? He's opposing not because he's angry, but because he says it's not healthy and you need to wake up from your sin. So I'm going to pull back for a moment so that you can see that what you're doing is killing you and killing everyone else. It's my grace that's opposing you so that you'll wake up from it and choose me again so that in humility my spirit can flow through you. Your sin 100% of the time hurts people around you because it keeps God's spirit from flowing the way that was intended. All right, we're done ministry team, Aaron this morning. <clears throat> it's 11 16. I want you and invite you to take time to let the Holy spirit be honest. What I've always said is this. One of our greatest gifts as human beings is to allow the little judge, self-righteous judge, to walk out on our shoulder and say, yeah, but, to everything that God may say. And I would encourage you and invite you to tell him to be silent and say, Jesus, this morning I surrender. What do you have? What do you want to say? And what do you want to do? I submit to you in humility. God, may your grace flow. We'll have ministry teams already available. I'm not sure who's coming over here, but they'll be here in a second. Always want to pray. Are they there? Oh my gosh, guys. Welcome. You're like transported by the power of God's Spirit. They want to pray for you. Listen, these are great people. They have their own stories of brokenness. If you come forward and bring anything to them, they're going to go, Oh, I get it. I've been there. My life has its own struggles. And they would love to pray for you for breakthrough for anything. If you need to confess this morning some sin, find somebody you know. If you want to do it with them, they will hold it to themselves. If you need to call somebody, confess that, do them to come to the altar and just confess it before Jesus, we're looking to do that. I want to pray a prayer of awakening this morning. More of you, Jesus. More of you. I know you're with me. What I mean, Jesus, is I want more of an awakening, more of a conviction, a greater knowledge, a growth and understanding and conviction of who you are and who I am in you as your son and as your daughter. Awaken truth, God. Crush the work of the enemy in my life. Every lie of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy. The spirit of condemnation that tells you you can't. Jesus only says you can by my spirit so release say god i just give you the lies of the enemy help me hear the voice of truth god what a gift it's already true i already have your power it's been in my garage and i didn't know it lord help me to open the garage in jesus name and to just bask in the beauty of your majesty whatever it looks like this morning may it be an awakening be satisfied with nothing less than some type of awakening. May it feel super small or really big. As long as there's movement. We celebrate. And so, Jesus, as we come into this time, we just say, come and have your way. Amen. It's already 20 so we're going to officially end service at this time. We're more welcome to stay as long as you want. Before you leave, I just say we take communion great. We have our um, offering baskets available here in our giving boxes on the way out. I'd ask that you would be in worship before the Lord with your tithes and your offerings. If you're first-time guest, April will be at the table. I may be with somebody else to give you a gift, and thank you for being here. We love you guys. Have a great week. Pray for us as we leave us today from Friday to go to uh, Thailand. Tammy and Otter May literally just walked out to hop in their car to go to the airport. Don't forget to pray for us this week. We love you guys.